Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Bible in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's voice and live life through the lens of Scripture. The Bible in a Year podcast is brought to you by Ascension. Using the Great Adventure Bible timeline, we'll read all the way from Genesis to Revelation. We're almost there. Discovering how the story of salvation unfolds and how we fit into that story today. Today is day 349. We're reading the last chapter of the book of Acts of the Apostles. That's chapter 28, as well as beginning the first two chapters of St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapters 1 and 2. We're also reading Proverbs chapter 29, verses 25 through 27. As always, the Bible translation I'm reading from is the Revised Standard Version, Second Catholic Edition. I'm using the Great Adventure Bible from Ascension. If you want to download your own Bible in a year reading plan for these last few days, you can visit ascensionpress.com slash Bible in a year. You can also subscribe to this podcast and click on subscribe and receive daily episodes and daily updates. Unless, of course, you're listening on some of the other apps like Halo, in which case you don't do that. You just open the Hallow app and there it is for you. It is day 349. We're reading Acts of the Apostles chapter 28, the final chapter, as well as Philippians chapters 1 and 2, Proverbs chapter 29, verses 25 through 27. The Acts of the Apostles chapter 28, Paul on the island of Malta. After we had escaped, we then learned that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, when a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They waited, expecting him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They presented many gifts to us, And when we sailed, they put on board whatever we needed. Paul comes to Rome. After three months, we set sail in a ship which had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin brothers as figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Putioli. There we found brethren and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brethren there, when they heard of us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. Paul and Jewish Leaders in Rome After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brethren, though I had done nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But when the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brethren coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Paul preaches in Rome. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers, 
And he expounded the matter to them from morning till evening, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, while others disbelieved. So, as they disagreed among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You shall indeed hear, but never understand. And you shall indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn from me to heal them. Let it be known to you then, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, they will listen. And he lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ quite openly and unhindered. The Letter of Paul to the Philippians, Chapter 1, Salutation Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's Prayer for the Philippians I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness which come through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul's Present Circumstances I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brethren have been made confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment and are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of partisanship, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. To live is Christ. Yes, and I shall rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I shall not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If it is to be life in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, 
I may hear of you, that you stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear omen to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict which you saw and now hear to be mine. Chapter 2. Imitating Christ's Humility So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any incentive in love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Shining as lights in the world. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured as a libation upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Timothy and Epaphroditus I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may be cheered by news of you. I have no one like him who will be genuinely anxious for your welfare. They all look after their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy's worth you know, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself shall come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete your service to me. The Book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verses 25 through 27. The fear of man lays a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is safe. Many seek the favor of a ruler, but from the Lord a man gets justice. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but he whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. 
Father in heaven, we give you praise and glory. We thank you so much, oh Lord, for 349 days, you have fed us with your word. You have shaped our minds and you filled our hearts with who you are and with your love. God, we ask you, please receive our praise, receive our thanks. Thank you so much for every one of these days. Thank you so much for St. Paul and for St. Peter and for Epaphroditus and for Timothy and for these Philippian Christians who today we get introduced to. We thank you so much. Help us to be like them. Help us to be like you. Lord God, help us to be imitators of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who emptied himself humbly, humbly emptied himself out of love for us, for your glory and for our salvation. Help us to be like him. Thank you, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here we are, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 28. The conclusion, well, it's not really the conclusion of the story, but it is the conclusion of Luke's account of the story. In fact, I have a good friend, his name is Father John Ricardo, and Father John Ricardo has a, uh, he has a ministry called Acts 29, and that's, it's awesome, right? Because it's the, here's what happens after Acts of the Apostles, chapter 28. That's not the end of the church, right? That's not the end of the gospel. This Paul on the island of Malta is not the end of the gospel. Paul in Rome is not the end of the gospel, but Acts chapter 29 is the next step. And this is like, as the Lord hands on the baton to the apostles and the apostles hand on the baton to the next Christians, the next Christians here, we are handed the baton as well. And uh, we have this last chapter of chapter 28 of the Acts of the Apostles as Paul not only gets to Malta, I think here's a couple of things. It's very small, but it's, it's worth it. Here they are shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And they're building a fire and the, the Maltese folks, I was going to say Maltese Falcons. The Maltese folks, they build a fire and it says Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire when a viper came and, you know, latched on his hand. It's a small thing because the big thing is, of course, that Paul didn't die. You know, Jesus had promised that you'll handle serpents and, and, and not die. The bigger thing, I think, well, I don't know, maybe it's not bigger. The fact is Paul was gathering sticks and put them on the fire. I know sometimes I've been camping. I've been even relaxing. I've been with family. I've been in those places where there's a lot of people helping. And so I, here's my, my tendency. And anyone who knows me knows this, like, oh yeah, where's Father Mike? Oh, he's on the couch. <laughs> like that kind of, that kind of situation. As opposed to, I have these incredible brothers-in-law, the incredible parents and siblings who they like just contribute. They just, they would be the one gathering sticks. They'd be the ones making the fire. They'd be the ones gathering all these things. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sit over here on the corner. And I, again, this is just one of my faults, one of my many faults. I have to be reminded, oh, it's time to help. <laughs> it's time to get up off your rear and, and contribute. But here is St. Paul, who doesn't have to be reminded, and he gets bitten by a viper as he's seeing that people need help, and he's helping them. hope that that makes sense. I don't know. It's just one of those little points that I think it sticks out because being a Christian isn't always heroic moments, right? Being a Christian is having the attitude of a servant. You know, Paul talks about that all of the time, have the, having the attitude of a servant. And clearly, here he is living what he preaches. And again, it's, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. And clearly here, Paul isn't just working miracles with the Maltese people. He is also building fires, gathering sticks. And uh, I think that probably points more to his character than anything else. Maybe just because I'm sensitive <laughs> about that myself, <laughs> of the ways in which I fail. Anyways, Paul contributes. And not only that, but he is all about preaching the gospel and using this opportunity, this opportunity to be in Rome under house arrest to preach to the Praetorian Guard. I mean, he he uses any opportunity, any and every opportunity. There's no situation, no circumstance in which Paul will not be willing to preach the gospel even to the end, to the very, very end. And so that is just, again, not only picks up sticks and builds fires, he's always willing to preach the gospel. So that's the end of Acts, the apostles chapter 28. But as we know, the church continues on and we have 
We live in the age of Acts chapter 29. St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, happily enough, is actually written when Paul was under house arrest in Rome. Paul is writing to the Philippians as a prisoner, which is really incredible. Once again, highlighting Paul's character. Paul doesn't even hardly mention, I mean, he does, he does mention some things that happened to him, but he even says that, yeah, I want you to know, this is for chapter one, verse 12. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What's happened to me is I'm under house arrest, right? But what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And that is, again, here is Paul. The letter to the Philippians is the letter of joy. Remember way back, we have, you know, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. We have the weeping prophets. All those. Here is St. Paul to the Philippians. This is the epistle of joy. They write right, the letter of joy. He just says, I want you, please rejoice at all times. I say to you, rejoice. I don't even care if people are preaching Jesus because they want to make me look bad. Even in this, I don't care. Only that, he says this in verse 18, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. St. Paul here in chapter one, he demonstrates this thing that is called apatheia. And that's not the same thing as apathy. Apathy can be a negative kind of apathy, a negative kind of I don't care, like whatever, I'm just in a negative way. But there's also this positive apatheia, this positive apathy apathy, which means I am indifferent to whatever the Lord wants. Not apathy in in terms of I'm just kind of, yeah, unfeeling or uncaring, but apatheia would be this virtue of the virtue of indifference that would say, whether God causes me to have a long life or a short one, whatever he wants, I'm indifferent. If he wants me to have health or sickness, I'm indifferent, whatever he wants. If he wants me to have wealth or poverty, I don't care, whatever he wants. This kind of holy indifference, this holy apatheia is what Paul demonstrates here in the first letter of St. Paul to the Philippians where he says, I know I shall not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is so important. This should be every single one of our attitudes to life. Whatever situation we have, God, if this is what you want, then great, I will rejoice. It is St. Paul's secret to happiness. It is his secret to joy is realizing that whether by my sickness or by my health, God is glorified. Amen. Whether by my wealth or my poverty, God is glorified. Amen. Whether by my grief or by my joy, God is glorified. Amen to this. Because he points out that we're called to be shining as lights in the world to do everything without grumbling or questioning, that we may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is chapter two. And this is, again, we can do that when we have that holy indifference, when we have that holy apatheia saying, God, whatever it is that you want, that's what I want. And he points out in this incredible song in chapter two, it's Philippians chapter two, this almost like a creed where it talks about Jesus He says, have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. See, this whole section is actually scripture scholars believe that this was an ancient poem. Like it was a song, maybe even that Christians would sing that here, Paul is putting into his letter, goes on to say, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Two things I want to highlight in this. 
It's incredible. Well, three things. One is that St. Paul says, be like Jesus in this. Be like Jesus in this. Doing nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility, count others better than yourselves. Look not to your own interests, but also the interests of others. That's the mind of Jesus. The first thing, that's he, we're invited to be like that. Second thing, St. Paul is making it absolutely clear that Jesus is fully God, completely. He says, though he was in the form of God, that's a very technical term. In the notes in the Great Adventure Bible, it highlights this. It says this, the Greek shows that divine attributes and therefore nature of God are implied there. It's the divine nature that Jesus is sharing. Now, he is in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, meaning a thing to be wielded. Think about it like that, a thing to be wielded. He is equal with God. He is God, but he did not count equality with God, something to be wielded, to be used against human beings. But humbling himself, he took the form, again, form of a servant, meaning he had the form of God, the nature of God, to the form of a servant, that is the nature of humanity. And this is just so incredible that the deep theological truth that is communicated here in Philippians chapter two. But thirdly, I think this is completely overlooked so often. I pray this prayer, Philippians chapter two, at least once a week. And it kicks me in the butt every time. Is that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. This is one of the reasons why, gosh, you guys, we can't take the Lord's name in vain. To say the name of Jesus Christ carelessly or thoughtlessly is just, is just the worst. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, not just curse. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, meaning even the demons will bend their knees at the name of Jesus. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of God, the Father. That is, this is key. This is all done to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus's preoccupation was that the Father would be glorified. And so at the end of all things, the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, every tongue should confess. Why? For the Father's glory. Everything we do, honoring Jesus, praying in the spirit, walking as Christians, it glorifies the Father. And Jesus's preoccupation of wanting to glorify the Father and do the Father's will, that can be our preoccupation as well. Everything we do in the name of Jesus and the power of the Spirit is done for the glory of God the Father. Ah, it's just a, what an incredible way to live. That holy indifference of saying, God, whatever it is you want, I want. Let it be done unto me according to your will. But that goes against our nature. It goes against our, our brokenness. And so we need to pray. We need, to, we need God's grace to help us persevere. As St. Paul says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, knowing we can lose our salvation. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So we pray for each other. And I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless. Mm-hmm.